Hello and welcome to the Pharma Forum podcast. I'm your host, Jonah Comstock. When you hear the term immersive audio, you might be thinking of a selling point for a home theater or a VR headset, but increasingly researchers and clinicians are finding that there's a therapeutic value to the right soundscapes and they can help improve mental health and wellness. Here to talk to us a little bit about this emerging space is Howard Rose, Head of Health and Wellness at Spatial Incorporated. Welcome to the show, Howard. Uh, Hi, Jonah. Thank you. And very happy to be here. So for people who have no idea what we're talking about, spatial audio, soundscapes, immersive audio, um, give me a little bit of a 101 on on your company and the the space that you're in. Um, And then a little bit about how that has started to, to relate to the healthcare space. Sure. So spatial is real speakers in real spaces that feel like real places. That's my best Dr. Seuss explanation of what we do. So uh, people are probably familiar with things like uh, in an IMAX theater or a theater where you have a surround sound, and that's kind of immersive. But the way that the way those systems work is um, you have to, number one, everybody's sitting in one place. They're all looking at the screen. And in order to uh, you know produce that sound, uh, everything is assigned to a speaker. It's very rigid. And, and that delivers a good experience if you're sitting in the, in the sweet spot. Uh, we are doing something completely different. So spatial is a completely different approach to immersive audio that is very different from everything that's come before. It's a real-time environment, so we we create soundscapes. So instead of using uh, linear audio approaches where you push the button and it plays out exactly the same every time and through every speaker, we create a live simulation. So this is a virtual environment and it has components, it has elements. So Uh, Let me give you an example. If we created a virtual forest, we would create virtual trees. We'd place those on a a stage. So we have a tool, it's called Studio, and you place the objects in in three-dimensional space, and then you can have uh, birds flying from tree to tree. And you can have as many birds as you want. They can have randomness, they have motion, Uh, And then you create this soundscape simulation. Uh, The genius of the system is then you play that simulation out on any size speaker array. So you don't have to just say this sound goes to this speaker and that sound goes to that speaker, which has been really a giant limitation. The immersive audio has been around for a long time, but it's been a, a real pain to do. So we do all that heavy lifting. You create the simulation. You can run it out in a, you know, we're in a health context. That could be five speakers in a patient room, or it could be hundreds of speakers in a hospital campus. Uh, and and it's a very different kind of experience because when we create, say we make a virtual river, the river is is has a place in three-dimensional space. When I move to the river towards it, when I get close to it, I hear it. And when I move farther away, I don't. So it's not just a recording of an environment, but it's actually a living thing that that lives in the three-dimensional space. It's really like a virtual environment like you would build in a VR headset, but it's auditory instead of visual or in yeah. addition. Yes. So, so people 
people now are pretty familiar with VR. Um, and, uh, you know, those, those uh, graphical environments um, tend to use headsets, or excuse me, headphones. Um, and there's a lot of talk about spatialization in headphone experiences. Uh, what is exciting about this is you don't need to wear anything and you can have social spaces. Uh, it can, because it's a real-time environment, it can detect, it, it can take input from the number of people in the space. It can take biosensor input. It can change. Uh, it can take data from any other source and respond to that. And, and not only just, you know, get louder or softer, but it can, it, you can have uh, components change. You can, the soundscape can change. It can run 24 seven. You can build randomness into it. Uh, and so it, it's a very different experience. You don't hear the same thing over and over, which kills your believability. So there's a lot of benefits. Uh, you know, we're here to talk about healthcare. There's a lot of benefits in how this can be used both to enliven health spaces and also to deliver really targeted kinds of therapy. So, uh, before we jump into that, I realized I, I didn't ask you uh, about yourself. Um, so tell me a little bit about how you, how you got involved in this space. Then we'll talk about healthcare, uh, unless sure. that's part of the story. Oh, sure. Thank you. Um, so my background is is in virtual reality. So I got started in VR uh, many years ago in graduate school at the University of Washington. I was at one of the had the fortunate. Um, uh, luck to be at the Human Interface Technology Lab. That was a, a leading VR lab at the University of Washington back in the day when there weren't very many places doing this. Uh, my background, my academic background is actually in educational technology. Uh, my, my graduate research was in language teaching. I built a virtual environment to teach Japanese. Um, and looking at how, uh, how we... Uh, how experience ties into knowledge development, like constructivism and, and how uh, we can learn through experience. So I'm really excited about how we create experiences that can deliver value for people and help, help people take control of, of, their, of their learning, of their health. Uh, and and that's, you know, that's a great fit with VR. So I founded a company called First Hand, uh, worked for many years in healthcare. Uh, so our primary focus was in pain relief. Uh, we built virtual environments for acute and chronic pain and hooking in sensors and uh, use them in debriding uh, with wound care and uh, burn patients and Worked on PTSD with the Department of Defense using simulations for graded exposure for um, for battlefield vets, uh, behavioral health, um, so lots of different things. Training, uh, and so my background is really in how you create these environments, how you bring them to healthcare, how they adapt to the you know the requirements of the environment and the patients and all of that. Um, and that's how I ended up at Spatial. So just to clarify, Spatial isn't just in the healthcare space. They're, they're using this audio in, in all kinds of different kind of verticals. Uh, but you're, you're focused specifically on the, the health and, and wellness world, right? 
Right. So I am the head of health and wellness. And uh, yes, it is just one vertical. Um, a lot of so some of the other things are things like theme parks, uh, hospitality, retail, um, some high end homes. Uh, you know, it's a it's an environmental uh, approach or it's an environmental it's a way to change uh, environments, for example, in corporate campuses and uh, make people help people relax, help people be more productive. Uh, it's, you know, in museums is another uh, kind of use where people can walk up to an experience. So they can walk up to an exhibit and uh, it can sense that they're there and it gives them an experience of that. Uh, so one of the cool things I should mention is that uh, spatial it can't, you can create spaces within spaces. So for example, in, a, in, in the healthcare environment, we can have a waiting room or, or a large space or a, or a lobby where if you walk in, there's sort of an ambient sound, but you can have a corner in that space that maybe delivers something more focused, like a, a, a more relaxed biofeedback sort of experience or some something else happening. So. Uh, these spaces can be kind of complex. Um, and then, you know, you think about retail, when you pick up an object, it can respond. So you can learn about the, learn about the, the item and we can, you know, uh, you know, we can change the sound, we can build some excitement about that and interest. So there's a tremendous interest from a lot of different applications. And then there's, you know, entertainment as well. So in the healthcare world, um, what are some of the, tell me about some of the work you've done and, and some of the use cases um, for, for how this can really, you know, not just sort of enhance spaces for patient experience, but also really contribute to, to therapy and care. Sure. Um, well, we are doing, a, a, there's a lot going on. I'll try to give you kind of a flyover and then you can tell me what you're interested in. Um, so the, we started out, uh, our first sort of uh, efforts were around wellness rooms for uh, frontline health workers. So uh, an example of that, we've got uh, wellness rooms in a hospital system in Atlanta. It's called Wellstar. And, uh, you know, they, Wellstar, like every other health system, is faced with attrition. People are leaving the field. Nurses are stressed. They're, they've got staff shortages and all of that compounds the, the stress, right? And then you've got COVID and all of that stuff on top of it. So they've responded by creating wellness rooms inside of their hospitals. And a wellness room consists of a, uh, it, well, there are some private rooms with massage chairs and spatialized audio. Uh, and the, the staff can they can reserve a space and they can go in there anytime, 24 seven, they're open. Um, they've had an amazing result. I would say, honestly, they, they were worried that people would not be able to go like this whole culture of the hospital where, you know, just tough it out. Uh, we're busy. You can't get off the floor. There's so many barriers and frictions to people taking a little time off especially when you have staff shortages. But what's exciting is that, um, to their happy surprise, that they've had really high utilization. They've had 
Yeah, they've been running about seven months now. They've had 55,000 people, like individual experiences. They've had, uh, you know, a lot of repeat people uh, coming in. Uh, and and it's changing the culture. They can see the the start of the change of culture where uh, where a manager, a nurse manager will say, you've had a really hard day. Maybe we lost a patient. Maybe, you know, something traumatic happened in the staff. And they're saying, go, go over there. <laughs> we, we realize that that has value. So I think that that's, that's really exciting in terms of changing the culture. That's where we started. We've also, um, we're working with our partner, Health Tunes, uh, and uh, the founder, Walter Rosawa, uh, to create those experiences. And HealthTunes is a fantastic platform for, uh, they've, they've created a library of, of musical content and things and beat frequencies and all this great, great uh, content and experiences for people that target different uh, health problems like pain or anxiety, et cetera. And so uh, we're working with them to create these spatialized experiences and bringing those into the hospital. So that's that's one example. I can give you a few others, but um, I'll stop there. Yeah, no, that really, really interesting stuff. And interesting, I mean, as it fits into some of these trends around healthcare workers burnout, uh, particularly during during the last few years. Um, I should mention before we go on, Health Tunes is a, a portfolio company of Healthware, uh, which is the parent company of PharmaForum. Uh, so we're, we're very familiar with them. Um, and there's a little bit of a connection there. You talked about healthcare workers. Uh, are there any examples where you're working with patients in the, in the hospitals and the healthcare space? Yes, we are working on, actually, this also involves Health Tunes and another uh, nonprofit called Reach. Uh, and uh, Spatial Health Tunes and Reach are putting together a birthing solution. Uh, so the idea is to uh, do a, to change the environment to give the the birthing mother the control of that environment of that sonic environment and maybe visuals. So women uh, going into that birthing experience, uh, they have a lot of anxiety. There's a lot of unknown. There's also the sense of control, and we know that you know control, self-control, and and self-efficacy ties into experience of pain. So when people feel like they're out of control and they're helpless, that pain becomes more, uh, it becomes suffering. So uh, if we can give the the birthing mother the ability to control the environment, and this is a multi-sensory approach, so it's not just using sound and uh, we have some soundscapes of like you can go to a beach or a forest but you can layer in uh, the health tunes content so health tunes and reach reach has a product that a platform called happy mama which has health tunes integrated into it and so happy mama supports women through that period leading up to birth and also after uh, but um, so the idea is that women become they use the Happy Mama platform, the phone app to connect with their doctors, to track their vital signs, to learn breathing techniques and guided meditation and relaxation and lots of good things. And then they build essentially a birthing plan. 
And what we've done actually for the first time, a lot, I talk to a lot of women who have a birthing plan. And as soon as they go into the birthing room, it goes out the window. And if you think about it, there's really no conduit. There's no mechanism for, for women to, to take that birthing plan besides good intention, but good intention is not really a great mechanism. There's no mechanism to actually actualize, to actualize their birthing plan. So that if you think about it, they want, they, they want the environment to be conducive. They want it to be, you know, to fit them, to fit their preferences uh, and all of that. So the idea is that it's an, it's a dynamic environment. It's got guided meditation and breathing and, uh, you know, sonic soundscapes for these natural places. And then it's got health tunes music on top of that. And the women can control what they want to hear through the whole experience. And, and that's a, I think that's a great example of, of what spatial brings in terms of a difference. It's not just immersive sound, but it's a real time environment and you can do that kind of control, which is really just impossible with linear audio. Yeah, that's really interesting. So how does this fit into some of the larger trends in um, in VR and, and AR, the way they're being used in healthcare around therapy and therapeutics? Right. You know, I've having worked in, in immersive headset VR, and I've done projections and all kinds of things, and I've been in this clinical environment, I think he- headsets are really great for certain things. They're really great for, a, you know, debriding with a, a wound patient. Uh, it really takes them out of that environment. Um, and and it, that transportative feeling of a headset can be really beneficial. Um, but there's a lot of cases where, uh, like, wearing something creates friction. The device itself, you know, cleaning, and there's a lot of mechanics to it. And, and how do I use this thing? And, and certain people don't tolerate it. Um, I think it's great. Yes. And spatial is a very different kind of thing. Number one, it doesn't, it doesn't get in the way of the relationship between the doctor and the patient. So let me give you an example. Um, so we are working with uh, Mass General, Ma- uh, Massachusetts General. Uh, there's a wounded warrior program uh, there called Home Base. And we are developing with them uh, a PTSD therapy that's based on sound. So this is work that I, very similar to things that I've done with immersive headsets with the Department of Defense. So the way graded exposure works is you uh, you create a, a, a virtualization of that of their traumatic experience so it's based on what's called imaginal therapy so in the case of a um pardon the sirens although that's very appropriate um uh in the case of battlefield ptsd we create a simulation of that and if it's a virtual environment and a headset uh you know we created a humvee going through an iraqi city and then you have uh, things that explode, you know, IEDs and, and attacks and different stressors. And the graded exposure means that the therapist can control the intensity of that experience. So that's fantastic and it works. And there's a lot of great data, a lot of good studies. The challenges of using a headset is number one, you, have, you got a lot of stuff to build. 
And number two, you fall into kind of the uncanny valley. Like it wasn't really exactly like that. And so you're creating stuff that can be kind of expensive, which means you can't you can't do it for a lot of like there's just a lot of places where the economics don't make sense. So if you think about, you know, the the number of people who were in Iraq and maybe they were mimetic, maybe they were doing night raids, maybe they were, you know, flying a helicopter, maybe, you know, they were in so many different situations and it's just impossible to to hit them all if you're trying to build all that stuff. So so sound. So there's the the approach that we're using at this Wounded Warrior program is a sound-based palette of um, stressors, of stimulus that correspond to different types of experiences. So let's take one uh, night raids. If you have a have somebody who was doing night raids in Iraq, um, that they have a certain set of experiences. So the kind of sounds in that experience. And sound is so tied into our emotional, you know, our emotional centers. It's it's definitely, it's so connected to fight or flight. Uh, it has, you know, it carries, if you think about movie music, it really carries the emotion of the movie. Try turning, watching the movie with the sound off, right? So uh, if the sound in just by itself also leaves a lot to the imagination. So in this case, immersion, it's a great example where immersion is like the starting point that we use. We, we give the therapist the tool to, to control this interactively. So I've got my patient. I'm the therapist. I have an iPad. I've got control over which sounds I use. And it's a it's a it's a responsive kind of experience. I'm not I'm not playing out a movie for them. What I'm saying is, OK, uh, OK, John, where were you? Uh, okay, you were in a market, so we're going to have a market sound. Okay, what ha- what happened next? And how? what's your level of stress? And, and can you tell me, you know, how do you feel? Okay, you're a, you're a two now. Okay, uh, we're going to have a helicopter. Okay, there was a helicopter. But because we're spatialized, we can say, let's put that helicopter way over there where it doesn't feel threatening. Uh, and then, you know, let's listen to that and let's get in touch with that and, and recount. So, but then we can move dynamically move that helicopter to right overhead, or we can fly it around or we can do whatever. So it, it's a graded exposure approach that is, uh, generative and can be targeted for the patient. Uh, and because it's sound, it's really easy to switch out. Uh, you know, it's very, it's much easier than building graphical environments. So, so that's a great example of how the control mechanism and the spatialization can really give you, it, it can control the level of stress. It can, it can do a lot of different things. Yeah, that's super interesting. This sort of the customizability of it. And um, yeah, and the notion that, you know, having, having it just be based in sound, I mean, for for something like PTSD, so often that's that's what triggers it out in the world, and so to be able to work yeah. through that in that controlled therapeutic environment that still has that aspect of reality. Yeah, and um, the the sound quality is excellent, and it's not it it really feels real, and so my my kind of my go to definition 
of virtual reality is it's a computer generated experience that evokes the sensation it's real. And the power of that definition is that it's decoupled from a specific technology. So it's really about people and our sensory experience. It doesn't mean you have to use a headset. Uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of bias out there about, oh, if it's not a headset, it's not VR. Um, I don't believe that. I believe if you're blind, you know, and you can't see, you can still experience VR through your other senses. So uh, sound is a really powerful thing. And, you know, getting back to the broad uh, sort of applications of healthcare, uh, and I've spent a lot of time you know, talking to hospitals and, and uh, doctors, and we're working with the, the leaders. We're Mass General and Mayo Clinic, and we're getting a lot of, of interest uh, from a broad spectrum of people in the healthcare world. So this is uh, pay everything from patient experience to people who are doing uh, different kinds of mental health therapy, uh, pain and, you know, procedures. Uh, there's just, there's just lots of of interest. And then you think about ICU delirium and the effect of the alarms on both the patients and the doctors and the, and the staff. And that alarm fatigue uh, really contributes to a lot of the stress. Um, and I, I would just say, sort of sum that up into, it's really exciting that healthcare has, they seem to be ready for this. They, they, you know, doctors, this, this solution hasn't really been there. You know, if you walk into a hospital, sometimes they're playing music. Um, that doesn't seem to be doing much for the stress. But when, when you can have a, you know, a rich experience and we can make that responsive to needs and, and in all the ways that I've talked about, people are really responding in healthcare. They look at it and they go, I, I want that. <laughs> so. We're running to the end of our time, Howard. Um, it's been really a pleasure to have you. Super interesting stuff that I would just never have thought about. Um, as as we come to a close, uh, any final thoughts, anything that you think you would really like people in the healthcare industry and the healthcare ecosystem to know um, about the, the work that you do and what's out there and what's available? Yeah, I, thank you. And thank you for this opportunity. I think that... Um, I guess my message to healthcare is that a lot of us know intuitively that music and sound are powerful, that when we feel sad or we, you know, whatever, we, we, we listen to music. When we start a party, we listen to, you know, music is the first thing that goes on. So intuitively we have this sense that it's, it's important to us, but then you, there's, then you think about music therapy and the way music happens and sound happens in therapeutic context. And for some reasons, I think it's historic and some of it's attitude and some of it's just inexperience. People have a hard time making the, the leap with their own personal intuitive experience with music and then saying music therapy, well, well, maybe. There's, there's some skepticism there, I think. Uh, and, you know, I, I, music therapy has been around for a long time. It's great. Uh, it is not at all um, scaled to the level that it should. 
and it's not reimbursed at the level that it should. And and so healthcare, those are the things that, you know, healthcare recognizes it, but it's it's hard to scale that because it tends to be reliant on a person. And anyway, I think the message here is that let's take that intuitive sense that we know. And when we can apply that in a way that is, you know, has high precision, so we can target it like a drug and we can standardize it and we can we can try it over and over and see how it works on subpopulations. And we can personalize it with things like biofeedback and all of that. And we can control output to lights and video and all that cool stuff. But but at the essence, you know, it's the idea that the environment really matters to people, that music and sound has a powerful effect. And so we can use that for therapy and we can use it to enliven these spaces. And that's that's what I'd love to people to take away. Thank you so much, Howard. Thanks for joining us on the show. Really a pleasure to have you. Great. Thank you so much. That concludes this episode of the Pharma Forum podcast. You can find more information about this episode, including a download link and information about other installments in the series at pharmaforum.com slash podcast. The Pharma Forum podcast is also available on iTunes, Spotify, Acast, Stitcher, and Podme, where you can find and subscribe by searching for Pharma Forum. And don't forget to visit our website where you can sign up for daily news and analysis bulletins and to follow us on Twitter at at PharmaForum. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.